Welcome to Impacting Jamaica, the Independence Edition, where we shine the spotlight on positive developments since independence in 1962 and the way forward for Jamaica. We also highlight positive happenings, activities, projects, and investments at every level, across every sector, to inspire, motivate, and excite people everywhere. Impact in Jamaica, the Independence Edition, is sponsored by Houston Wards, the Passport Immigration and Citizenship Agency, the Tax Administration of Jamaica, Grace Kennedy, the Sajikor Foundation, Harib Cement, the Port Authority of Jamaica, and JN Bank. My guest is Dr. Karen Dunkley. She is a representative in the Jamaica Diaspora Council in Northeastern USA. She's also an accomplished educator and a small business operator in Jamaica also. Welcome to the program, Dr. Dunkley. Greetings and salutations to you, Mr. Byron Buckley. Thank you so much for having me. In this series, the Gleaner is surveying uh, comments and assessments of how Jamaica has fared since independence. So my, quest, my first question to you is, in your opinion, what is the most significant development in Jamaica since we have gained independence? Thank you so much again. I think the most significant accomplishment since independence, understanding that we're a young nation, we're a small nation, one time 59 would look really old, but we're going to celebrate our 60th next year, is the level of infrastructure development when it comes on to the roadworks and I think to some extent energy. What we know and having lived in the United States and studied United States history, a critical period of development was the interstate highway, the I-95, developed by President Eisenhower. And we see that along with the highways, when you can transport goods, services, and people, then it automatically bolsters, it accelerates development. And I think that that is just a tremendous accomplishment. I know that in some instances, we must pay attention to the quality of the work. As we saw when the floods came, that many of the roads, the new infrastructure did not hold up. I think, however, that we must applaud the efforts of both governments in terms of successive parties being in charge, committed to this idea of in infrastructure and roads. I think I want to mention some other areas which connect to the infrastructure and roads. I think energy, Jamaica, I just saw a tremendous investment from Sagicor around this energy project. And I think mm -hmm. that Jamaica, because of where we're geographically located, that we should continue to explore our options in energy. And we have done that really well. And the third piece that I must highlight is this implementation of a central treasury management system. Okay. One of the pieces of feedback that I get in my role in the diaspora is simply individuals' concern about fiscal management, concern, for example, about property tax management and how to transfer property, especially if they're not able to return to Jamaica. And I think that by implementing the central treasury management system, it certainly will reduce corruption. It will absolutely centralize how government ministries and agencies now account for their funds. And it really rationalizes taxation, especially for us in the diaspora, this property tax management where you can give your taxes, pass it on without the burdens be 
people who live in Jamaica who may not be able to afford the taxes and therefore lose the property. So those, I think, is what we have done really well since independence. And, and, and so you and you have made a connection that, that, that these two areas of development are important for further development. In a way, they are, as you said, infrastructure. So one is physical infrastructure, and the other one is part of the whole fiscal management of the economy. Absolutely. And when, it, when we consider infrastructure, I forgot where I read this idea, but there has been an, an ongoing conversation about do we need a ministry of infrastructure or do we need a specific portfolio that pulls together, that coalesces all the different infrastructure projects across the different ministries. And the reason why this might be a strategic consideration is when you think of what should the infrastructure in healthcare look like, there is no question that for the diaspora, the three primary concerns, healthcare and the quality and accessibility and affordability of healthcare, education remains, as well as crime. So when I think of what is next for Jamaica, absolutely to think about the healthcare infrastructure. And I know that the government has certain plans on the way to think about the education infrastructure, especially in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, where we now know that it is critical to have many different avenues where children, teachers, and school leaders can engage in learning. And water, I have to tell you something, Byron. I am up in St. Elizabeth, El Dursley. That's where my parents are from, Barbara Dunkley and Melvin Dunkley. And I remember we used to send, I grew up in Essex City, Spanish town. We used to spend our summers up in Eldersley. The roads, so the highways, important, but you also need your roads because for the farmers who live up there, very difficult to transport their produce. For people who live up there, it's very difficult. It takes you hours to travel. What should be a one-hour journey from Montego Bay can turn it easily into a two-hour journey. And this is not a unique story across Jamaica. I think that as we invest in the highways, we also need to ensure equity in what we call those community roads. And important for the development of agriculture. We are small farmers. My mom, my grandfather was a farmer. My mom has continued the tradition. And I think that based on where I see Jamaica heading, we need to pay attention. And people still up there have no water. How is that possible when we have rain? So we need to harvest water as well as put in place the infrastructure so we have water roads and garbage collection. So not not to, you know, there's so many things that I know that we are developing and focused, but I've seen garbage, I've experienced garbage sitting where I live in Eldersley for months on end and no one picks up. And I think that we need to pay attention. Those are quality of life issues and really are human rights issues and really brings about Vision 2030, the place of choice to live, work, raise families and do business for Jamaica. And now a word from our sponsors. The land, the people, the culture. We are a proud nation, and everything we own is carried with pride. Whether returning from a trip, or doing your daily business here at home, use your passport. It is your Jamaican right. Get yours and carry it with pride. Welcome back. I'm glad you mentioned the, the Vision 2020 because um, again, you are you are you are in a in a, um, a first world, a developed country, 
and when you and, and although you have commented us on in, the road infrastructure and so on when you look at vision 2020 and look at the, the infrastructure uh, developments we have how do you think we are going to we're going to make this um this uh this this goal of being a place to live and raise family and have business i do not think i'm barring you said vision 2020 and i know you're saying 2030 2030 actually right i'm laughing because we need no i think that was an excellent uh flip because we need 2020 vision to get the vision 2030 in light of the covid 19 pandemic we understand that many of the benchmarks certainly are no longer feasible not possible however we need to come back to with the stakeholders in co- in collaboration in communication in conversation and determine the way forward i know it's possible we have the human talent we have the fiscal resources we also have a diaspora that is tremendously invested in jamaica Jamaica is one of the few diasporas that, despite the COVID-19 pandemic, saw an increase in remittances, now accounting for 20% Byron of GDP. Here is what I know. This is my experience. We were not any less impacted, at least in the United States, and in talking to my counterparts and my family in the United Kingdom and Canada, no less impacted, but people here took their unemployment benefits took their stimulus checks and sent them home. With that level of investment in Jamaica, and understand that these are personal remittances, but there are also tremendous remittances that come at the institutional level. So I think that Jamaica, having the talent and having a diaspora, not only financial remittance, but tremendous intellectual remittance, that there is nothing in our way and the sky is not the limit for Jamaica. We can develop Byron, a brand, that matches our international persona brand, but a brand where those of us who live in Jamaica experience good quality of life, where it don't take us four and five hours for a journey that should take us two up into our communities, where young children can get water to brush them teeth every single night. They can turn on a stove and cook a meal. I think and I know that it is possible, and we have to commit we have to commit to bringing about the promise of a better Jamaica, not in 2030, but right now. The time is now. So, so, so in a way, then, the part of our achievement as a country's independence is the fact that we have, we have a, a dynamic and, uh, what should I say, patriotic a diaspora class. That, that continues, which, which, by the way, when you look at several countries across the world, it is part of their development um, strategy, whether it's deliberately or not. The diaspora ends up supporting development back home. It has to. Byron, and we must punctuate. Typically, the relationship has been one of only finances. And to truly leverage your diaspora, you need the intellectual talent, all the knowledge transfer, your experts, your your people who have done the work. Not saying that we can teach Jamaica something as as the what we call the savior, the messiah complex. That is not what we're saying. But what we do know is that the knowledge transfer can happen both ways. Yes. From whether it's the United States, UK, Canada, Asia, 
us to them and Jamaica back to us so we get the best product. So you are correct. The development strategy is not only funding and financial. It is intellectual. It's also expertise. It's that knowledge transfer that needs to happen. And this is why we were so excited. We wrote from the Jamaica diaspora, Northeast Byron, to, at the time, Minister of Foreign Affairs and French Trade to ask for representation, inclusion of technocrats from the diaspora on public boards. And we were thrilled when the Prime Minister announced during the recent sustainability symposium that they're very open to that idea. However, we don't, at least I do not want to be Moses, I want to be Joshua. So I want to see the promised land and we're hoping <laughs> that this inclusion of diaspora voice at the policy level in a strategic way as technocrats, because we always know that diaspora has sat on boards, but this we are discussing in a more strategic technocrat way because boards to some extent do have political appointees. And so we are hopeful that Jamaica will realize her best self when all of us organize for effort. And now a word from our sponsors. The land. The people. The culture. We are a proud nation and everything we own is carried with pride. Whether returning from a trip or doing your daily business here at home, use your passport. It is your Jamaican right. Get yours and carry it with pride. Welcome back. All right, well, let's move on to... What then would you say is perhaps our most disappointing feature as a society since independence? I think our most disappointing feature is governance. I know that there has been several conversations about how do we bring about better governance. And by governance, I'm thinking about just the particular systems to ensure that we mitigate corruption, governance to ensure that, for example, I deal a lot with individuals who cannot access their pensions, they have real difficult times just getting the money that they have earned, and you have to know a big man to call a big person, and, and we don't need that. Institutions need to work. Um, we need a governance structure where corruption needs to really be rooted out. We just can no longer and should no longer accept that only an elite you benefit from the public, right, coffers, it really is unacceptable. We need a governance structure that speaks to this nexus with crime and the fact that despite getting to 60 years, 60 years old, that we still have so many garrison communities and we need a Joshua who's going to come to say, look, we are now going to dismantle garrisons. We're going to try a new thing. You know, and not to be, become biblical here, but as a woman of faith, I remember that scripture, you know, that parable that speaks of the centurion just having so much faith that he simply said to God, just speak a word yes. and do a new thing. And so we need to think about, when we think about crime, when we think about education, when we think about healthcare and the corruption, how we build in accountability, we need to truly ensure we have a system of governance that works, that I as a person without any connection to any quote unquote big man or woman can get my work done, can realize my dreams, can have just as much access and equity and opportunity for my family and that comes down to governance so i know that governments have continued to work on governance we are not pointing fingers i'm saying we're all responsible there's a conversation environment like government is responsible for crime the government 
government is not by itself responsible for crime. We are the Jamaican citizens. As you noted, I'm a small business owner down in Antrim, Montego Bay. I have just as much as an investment in insurance that we play a role in eliminating and reducing crime. And I think that it's time for ownership. I think civil society needs to really speak up, Baron. Once upon a time in Jamaica, civil society was so vocal, so rational, so passionate. And we want that passion, that rationalization to come back where they can dig deep and the yeah. churches and the community organization and faith institutions and the education institutions can say, this is Jamaica that we're fighting for. We're oh. fighting for a Jamaica, not only for us, but our children and their children and the future generations. So we need to tackle in a deep real way or continue to work on our governance structures, especially as they relate to crime that makes us between crime and those um, and garrison communities, as well as our healthcare infrastructure and our education infrastructure, and to truly eliminate and reduce as much as possible corruption across our institution. The, the the question though is is who who starts who leads it? I mean, you you, you mentioned a, a biblical Joshua along the way, yeah. Uh, you mentioned civil society, but how do we get it to go? How do we get going with this governance structure that will certainly impact um, crime and, and other um, deficiencies in our society? Where do we start? Is there is there a place? Is there a place? Is there a place for the diaspora? Yes, I think, and this is why we we really are strongly encouraged by including the diaspora on the public boards. I think just even on the boards, right? There's so much money in terms of the public boards, when you think of the budget, in terms of the spend and the decision-making that takes place at that level. And I think it's all of us. I think it certainly begins with government and governmental agencies and all these different affiliates convening their governance structure and out of that governance structure saying these are our absolutes. And let me tell you something, Baron. This is very interesting to me. Every time we talk about governance, for example, and corruption, we get into a dance. You know what the dance is in the diaspora mm -hmm. and in Jamaica? Who is more um, corrupt than who? Who did what <laughs> when? That is such a sad conversation yes, to have. Is. And I am just saying, let's do la tabla rasa. Let's give everyone a clean slate. Let's just wipe it clean and we move forward and stop playing that game of who is more corrupt. That is not an exciting or redemptive conversation to have. Yes, yes, that's that's so true. So, so Dr. Dunkley, um, I want to thank you for speaking on this Impacting Jamaica program. Uh, you have rightly said that our our infrastructural development since independence is one of our shining light, and um, and but you what you're seeing our poor governance structure as one of the areas in which we need to to improve and and impact some of the social is like crime and so on. Thank you so much for having me. And the next time we talk about what are some structural changes, I would love for members of parliament to live in the communities that they represent and for us to truly, really in terms of being independent, just move away now from the Queen as our head of state. You have just come to the end of another episode of Impacting Jamaica, the Independence Edition. Do join us again for another in the series on SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Spotify, Audible, Podcast Addict, or on Stitcher. Impacting Jamaica, the Independence Edition, is sponsored by Kingston Wars, the Passport Immigration and Citizenship Agency, the Tax Administration of Jamaica, 
Grace Kennedy, the Sagicor Foundation, Carib Cement, the Port Authority of Jamaica, and JN Bank. You can also visit us at impactingjamaica.com and at jamaica-gleaner.com.